I really want to take this month before we get to November to just recast vision for the church and, and, and the topic of I love my church. I thank God for this church. I thank God for this body. And I'm honored to be called your pastor and to be able to stand here every Sunday and do this as a, a privilege and an honor. But I want to talk about who are we, what are we, where are we, and why are we throughout this month? Who is Transformation Church? Let's go to our text that we're going to use every Sunday. And it says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head, being Jesus, appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is. And the church is his body, you and I. So God appointed Jesus to be the head of his church. His church is not this building. His church is the people inside the building, you and I. So Jesus is the head of his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels everything in every way. So here's what the scripture is saying. God's the head of the church of Jesus that's made up of his body, you and I, that through us, the fullness of Jesus will be manifested to the world. Hallelujah. hallelujah. I should have got one more hallelujah than that. All right. Okay. And just save it for later. It's okay. All right. And so I want to talk to you about who are we, who we are as a church what is our DNA? When we say transformation church, what does that mean? And so let's go to John 17. Very powerful scripture. Jesus is praying. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. Who's that? The church. Those that are in the church already say, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Yes. That he's saying, I'm praying for my church but I'm also praying for those that's gonna be a part of it, just don't know it yet. But my church is, how many's glad there's still hope for your family? How many's glad there's still hope for your friends? And as long as there's a place called heaven and hell, we're gonna keep reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God says, I'm, Jesus said, I'm praying for them, but not just them, I'm praying for those that will believe in me through the message that my church is gonna carry, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. Watch this. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them who, you and I, the church, the glory that you gave me, the same glory that the Father put on Jesus. He said, I want to put on my church. When you show up at work tomorrow, you should look, act, and be different than everybody else that hasn't met him yet. Because of the glory, the presence of God. We're smiling while they're frowning. We have hope while they're hopeless. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one. There he goes again on that oneness. They may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, when we're in complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Brother Dick Rubin, if you were part of the Brownsville Revival, anybody part of that revival that came through Brownsville? And, and I was honored to meet this Jewish scholar, became very close friends and very close friends today. We communicate via the internet regularly. But Dick Rubin had a saying, when the pattern's right, the glory falls. How many remembers Dick Rubin saying that? When the pattern's right, 
the glory falls. And the Bible and Jesus is very specific on establishing blueprints and patterns that if we follow, we get to expect what's going to be at the end if we just follow the blueprint. One of the things is the tabernacle. He gave us a blueprint with the tabernacle. I have taught it here. The tabernacle is a blueprint into the presence of God, that there's an altar, death, there's a labor, self-examination, then the holy place where there's the candlestick, the shoe bread, and the altar of incense that then allows us into the holy of holies, the divine presence of God. It's a blueprint that if you follow, it will lead you into God's presence. Then we share with you on the, the uh, Passover and, and, and the Seder where God had four cups, the four cups that we use as the foundation of this church, that it's number one, to know God, salvation. And then the second cup of promises, number two, is that I'm going to bring freedom in your life, that you're saved, but now I want to set you free from stuff. And once I get you free from that stuff, I want to bring you into discovering your purpose, why you're on this earth. And once you discover your purpose, go make a difference in the life of someone else. It's a blueprint that God gives us. And, and then he gives us the blueprint of the Lord's Prayer so that we can learn to pray effectively, not just throw out words, but to pray effectively, to be able to expect God to answer our prayer. And the one I want to talk to you about today is he gives us a blueprint of what the New Testament church should look like before it ever got here. It's found in the book of Acts through a church called the Antioch Church. And I want to do an illustration. It's going to be a whole lot different today, so if you're a first-time guest, come back next Sunday and you'll get normality. Okay, so just give me a Sunday different, Okay. But it's very important to me because if we as a church don't know who we are, then we don't know what to represent. And, and, and it's just like an individual. If you don't know who you are, then you don't know your purpose. And if you don't know your purpose, you're just wandering in life, fulfilling nothing, so you're never happy. And it's the same way in a corporate church. I want to continue to remind us who we are as a body. I love this church. I love my church family. Look around. How can you not love that person sitting next to you? Come on, just give them a pat and a hug right there, all right? Just be careful if it's not your wife. Okay, all right. <laughs> but let's really quick go to the book of Acts. I've got a whole lot to cover today, so I'm going to go fast. But in the book of Acts, you're going to find two churches. In the beginning of the book of Acts, through chapters 1 through 12, you're going to find the apostle Peter, and he represents the church of Jerusalem. And then if you go to the book of Acts chapters 13 through 28, you're going to find the Apostle Paul, and he represents the church of Antioch. Look in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set in his own authority. All right? But you will receive power, and here's what I want you to get today. He's talking to who? The church at Jerusalem. And he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, circle that in your notes, you will be, has nothing to do with your personality, nothing to do with your insecurities, nothing to do with your weaknesses or failures. You will be, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they are and in all Judea, in Samaria, and Samaria, by the way, is the low class, the nobodies, the dirty, the ones that nobody wanted in their church. You're going to take the gospel to them too and to the ends of the earth. 
So the Jerusalem church is the first church established in the Bible. It's the church that God gives the great commission to, to take the gospel to the whole world, but the Jerusalem church refused to do that. And they stayed in Jerusalem, and if you weren't a Jew, they didn't care about you. And so God had to let persecution, the murder of Stephen, and it brought persecution against the church, and God forced the church outside of Jerusalem through persecution only. They would never fulfill the Great Commission on their own, so God had to let persecution come against the church. Maybe that's why we're seeing it again today. Because we've got too inbred instead of outward. We're too busy building our kingdom instead of his. And so he let persecution come against the Jerusalem church and it forced them to go outside of Jerusalem. But even then, we're gonna show you, the disciples stayed in Jerusalem. They never got it. They never got it. And so God had to raise up this other church called the Antioch Church, which was a church of, of Gentiles, the outward, the, out, the, the poor, the, the ones that nobody wanted in their church, God raised up a church of Antioch and it became the thriving, powerful church of the book of Acts. And so I want to show you a comparison of the two and I want to explain to you who we are as a church and what we represent. Everybody ready to roll with me because we're going to go fast. You ready? I'm excited about this, man, because I can't wait to see what God's about to do through our house. Amen. How many is ready to see more lives change than you've ever seen before? And many of them are going to be your family. So let's look at it. Number one, the DNA of Transformation Church, number one, is defined by our culture. Just like we see in Jerusalem and Antioch, our culture. The Jerusalem church was very clannish. Acts 1, or excuse me, Acts 8, 1, 11, 19 says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles, see, the apostles remained they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, so they've been forced outside of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria that he told them to take the gospel to. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, but here's what I want you to see, spreading the word only among the Jews. They still didn't get it. If you weren't a Jew, you didn't matter to that Jerusalem church. It's our people or no people. They were very clannish. They were very racist. They were bigots. They looked at everybody else as a lower class people than themselves. And they never connected with the Great Commission. You see, we've got to come and understand today that the, Jews, the, the Jewish leaders even questioned Peter, why are you over there eating with those Gentiles, those nasty, dirty people? They never grabbed hold of the heartbeat of God and the Great Commission. So God raised up this Antioch church. And we see it in Acts 13.1. Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who was brought up in Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Here's the Antioch church. The Jerusalem church had the 12 Jewish apostles. The Antioch church had Barnabas, who was a wealthy farmer from Cyphus. Simeon of Niger, who was a black man. Lucius of Cyrene, who was the first bishop of Cyrene, a religious leader. Manaen, who was a man of nobility and wealth. The church of Antioch was a multicultural, multisocial, multiracial church. And it became the thriving church of the day 
because it connected with the commission of God. And anytime you disconnect from God's commission, you're going to wither, dry up, and die. And that's what began to happen in the Jerusalem church. Your church and our church should be a reflection of the community that surrounds it. If your community is multicultural and your church isn't, you need to answer the question, why? Because many of our pulpits that are preaching against racism are practicing it every Sunday. Don't preach to me on what I'm supposed to do if you're not doing it. Don't expect from society what you first don't see taking place in the church. Because you have no right to ask or demand it. Good preaching. Thank you. Got my cousin in the back. She'll keep yelling. But you see, I don't see a black or white school. I don't see a black or white grocery store. I don't see a black or white bank. I don't see a black or white hospital. I only see black and white churches. Matter of fact, I don't hear black and white rock and roll. I don't hear black and white country. I only hear black and white gospel. Because the Jerusalem church is still very alive. Now, I'm not here to criticize the church. I'm here just trying to help you as a pastor understand the church we're going to be. And that we are. And we're proud of it in a very humbling way. Are you with me today? All right? The Antioch church thrived and became the leading church in the book of Acts. Why? It was connected with the Great Commission. Transformation Church is a cosmopolitan church a multiracial, multicultural, multigenerational church. We are made up of pieces. I want you to look at our singers today. There was a black man. There was a Mexican young lady. There was a Filipino. We happen to have a Caucasian on the guitar. And then we've got a Vietnamese lady on the end over here. I call that a cosmopolitan church. How about you? Come on. And we're fulfilling John, Father, make them one as we are one that the world may know that you have sent me. We're proud of that. This church is made up of people like me that grew up in church. I don't know what a beer tastes like. My dad would have killed me, so I feared my dad more than God when I was younger. I've been with one woman in my life, my wife. I grew up in the church in a very safe environment But this church is filled with people from all walks of life, from drug addictions to alcohol, from from pornography. We we come in here with all type of sexual identities. We come in here with all kind of baggage because I don't care if you grew up like me or you were out there on the streets, there's some baggage in your trunk. You know what I'm talking about? And we've all got issues and we've all got stuff we're working through and working out. But I'm part of a family that's going to pick me up if I fall down. They're going to love me no matter where I'm at in life. And I want to tell you, no matter what you've come from, when you walked in these doors, today, you entered a safe place because we're a church of truth and grace together and we're going to meet you where you are and we're going to take you to where Jesus is. That's our church. You see, we live in an environment of violence and hatred and, and, and it's so disturbing and we're seeing that happen all across our nation today where lives are being taken, and it's almost like people are saying they deserve that. I've heard that. Well, they did that, and they deserve that. Nobody deserves to die. Nobody deserves to die like that. Nobody should be dying on our streets. 
And, and, and I want to say this to you today because we had this happen recently. One of our young men was profiled and, and he was searched and his vehicle was tore apart. And he contacted me and he said, Pastor, I didn't do what they said and they had no right. And I said, meet with me. And he did. And we met. And it was definitely a profile. And I said, let's go because they said he sped through this gas station and he was flying and the officer accused him. And it was because of the color of his skin and the car he was driving. So I went out there and we measured the distance. We met with people and found out there's no way you could do that speed from here to there and be able to stop. There were gas pumps in the way. He couldn't have done it. We showed up in court. And the officer brought three witnesses that weren't even there. And they got up and told their story. And then I got up with this young man and I said, by the way, here's a drawing of where they said he sped through and it's impossible. And by the way, he has a receipt where he stopped and got gas. The judge saw the receipt and blew the whole court apart, rebuked the officer and his lying friends. And he dropped the ticket. And I want to tell you, listen to me, young people in this church. Respect authority. I had two dreams this week, and I'm not a dreamer, but two nights I dreamed I was laying over a casket and crying, asking, who's in it? Who's in it? And I want to say this to you today, young people. When authority speaks to you, just do what you're told. If it's a, a parent, if it's a teacher, if it's a coach, if it's a pastor, if it's a law enforcement, just do what you're told. If injustice takes place, I will stand with you and this church will stand with you till the end. But listen, if you're dead, I can't help you. And I'm not saying everybody's at fault. I'm saying I can't change what's already happened, but let's prevent it from happening. And as a church, we're gonna stand against injustice. We're gonna be a church, a safe haven for all people to come and hear the hope and the grace of Jesus. And we're gonna stand together when injustice does take place. That's the church I wanna be a part of. Number two is our emphasis. Ooh, I spent way too long there. But that was worth it. How many's glad you're part of a family like that? Come on, you with me? Number two is our emphasis. So there's our culture. We're a cosmopolitan church if you hadn't figured that out already. All right? How many glad everybody in here don't look like you? <laughs> Number two is our emphasis. The Jerusalem church emphasized miracles. How many thankful for miracles? I thank God for miracles. I am one. You are one. But the, the Jerusalem church only emphasized miracles. They, they never ever talked about ministry outside of Jerusalem. They only dealt with miracles taking place within the body of the Jerusalem church. They never talked about ministry. And you can go through the, the beginning of, of Acts and you'll see one miracle after another. And we thank God for miracles. But the Antioch church was a church of ministry. Acts 11, 25 says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. This is 17 years after Acts 1.8, when God gave this commission to the Jerusalem church to take the gospel to the world. They refused to do it. So 17 years later, he raises up the church of Antioch and he gives them the ministry that he called the Jerusalem church to do, they got it. And they begin to take the gospel all over the world, all to all people. They begin to minister and the church began to grow. Their focus was not miracles, it was ministry. But everybody watch this. We're a church of miracles. All over this church is divine miracles. Miracles will not produce ministry though. 
but ministry will always produce miracles. When you're reaching into the life of a person, whatever their need is, God will meet that miracle. But if you're focusing on miracles only, you're as much interested in what people see about you performing it as you are the one receiving it. And ministry is never about personalities. It's about the person of Christ. Come on, y'all with me today? And we're a church of ministry, and we're never going to apologize for that. Meeting people where they are. The Antioch Church emphasized preaching, teaching, exhorting, giving, evangelism, missions, equipping, and serving. That's Transformation Church. We're a ministry church. We, many churches, and we quit doing this about three years ago. We don't do a pastor appreciation here in October. And that's okay for the churches that do. I have no problem. We did it for years, but God laid on our heart. Quit doing that. Because this church takes very good care of my wife and I, and we're very grateful for that. But we said no more because we don't make this church work. You do. We have a dream team here of about 140 people that serve every Sunday from the parking lot to the children to the nursery to the coffee. All around this building, people are serving every Sunday. If we're going to honor anybody in this church, we're going to honor you every year. And we throw a big party every January, and the money you would throw to us, we throw right on you. And and we have a big hurrah. And we go, thank you, Dream Team, for your serving and your giving. And I want to tell you, we're a church of ministry where everybody's important. It's not about the man in the pulpit. It's about the people that make it happen week after week after week. And we thank God for you. Church of ministry, you have the opportunity here to serve, to be a part of something bigger than you. Small groups are taking place. And by the way, we're hearing phenomenal testimonies already of this fall small group semester. Great things are happening already. You've got an opportunity here to serve, to be a part of ministry. You can do it in the parking lot. By the way, we just bought another buggy. We got two golf carts now. The other one's getting painted for our new location. And we got folks driving around waving and picking you up. Yes, sir. All right? You got an opportunity to serve, man, giving people a ride from the parking lot. And then when you get into the church, we got folks you can serve outside the door, greeting people and hugging people and welcoming people. And when they get inside, you can be serving at the coffee centers. We're going to have several of them at the new facility and, and getting people their coffee and smiling and, and greeting them. And, and then you've got the, the connect team where you connect with them after service and hand them a gift and, and love on people. And, and we've got our prayer team where you can pray for people around the altar if you have the gift of prayer. And in our room, we've got a prayer room at our new building where there's going to be prayer during both services with prayer teams praying for their services that's going on. We've got our babies in our nursery that you can love on babies. If you love babies, we got a nursery for you to serve in. And then our kids zone where we have over a hundred kids back there every Sunday hearing the gospel in a dynamic way. And you can be a part of that if you love children. And now our Transformation Church Haven for our special needs children. We got seven separate rooms in the new building that are sensory rooms for sound and sight and hearing and touch that no matter what the need of that special needs child is, we've got a room set up for them and workers in there are going to love on them. And you can be a part of not only changing a kid's life, but impacting a whole family that feels alone and helpless and, and it's powerful and it's awesome. And by the way, we got about 50 families waiting for us to get in that building with special needs children now. We've got our worship team that's phenomenal our production team that you can serve in with your technology gifts. 
Our philosophy is this. I pray every person that attends this church will sit in one because we're going to have two services there, not three. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. But our goal is this. Every one of you, sit in one of the two, nine or 11, sit in one and just get, just receive. And then serve in the other and do nothing but give. And give God two hours of your week to invest and minister into somebody else's life and make a difference. Man, just think what we can do in Pensacola if just this church does that. And I challenge you to come out to Grow Track, get on the team, and join us as we serve in ministry. Next is our finances. Finances. The Jerusalem church was grasping. Whatever they did get, they held on to it. You know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They did what God told them to do. They went and sold their land, but then they kept part of it. That's not what he told them to do. It didn't turn out well for them. Matter of fact, they died. Don't lie to God because he already knows. They kept part of it. And then Barnabas, the Bible says that he sold his land because God told him to do that and give to the poor. He sold his land, and he did give it to the poor, but if you weren't a Jew, you didn't get any of it. He only gave it to the people that looked like him. He was only interested in helping people that looked like him. And let me just say this as a pastor of this church. Solidarity in the Bible just has nothing to do with race or color. It has to do with the unity of the body of Christ. That God said, make them one. Who's he talking about them? Red, yellow, black, or white? Make them one like you and I are one so that the world may know that you have sent me. And the Jerusalem church was grasping with their finances. They only invested in themselves or people like them. But the Antioch church was a very generous church. And that's Transformation Church. We're a generous church. We're going to give out of what God gives to us. Matter of fact, almost 30% of every dollar in this church goes out immediately. And we're, our prayers will get to 50%. Here's what happens. It says here in Acts 11, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Antioch, here's the church. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living where? Not in Antioch, but in Judea. They're fulfilling the commission. This they did, sending their financial gift by the elders of Barnabas and Saul. In Acts 13.3, the first missionary team was sent out by the Antioch church. The commission was given to the Jerusalem church, but they never left Jerusalem. So they never sent missionaries anywhere. 17 years later, God raises up this multicultural, multisocial, generational church and they become the first church to send out missionaries. Missions, by the way, started in Antioch. And not only did they send them out, they financed them. You see, we are a church that's going to be a generous church, and we are now. The first thing that happens when we receive our offering today, our bookkeeper, the first thing she's going to do when she gathers the funds today is take 10% off the top. And those 10%, that 10% is distributed through five areas that we do every month. Immediately, it goes out. The first tip, before we pay salary, before we pay uh, bills, before we pay mortgage. Oh, we don't have a mortgage. We're debt-free right now. I forgot that. Yes, we are. Hallelujah. Amen. This one's paid for. But before we pay anything, we take 10% off. And here's what we do. We divide it up, and we put part of it in compassion and benevolence ministry where we help people outside the church and inside the churches in a time of crisis. 
We put part of it with international missions, foreign land, Peru, Laos, Vietnam, Africa, various outreach ministries we sow into every month. Today, they're picking up a check for $1,000 because we're part of a crusade that's about to take place in two weeks in Peru where the city is giving Reimagine an entire stadium for free. And tens of thousands of people are going to come and hear the gospel as Ryan English preaches the word. And he's coming by in just a minute. And, and he's going to pick up a check of $1,000 that I didn't have to come up here today and come on, folks, give, beg, and plead. We already have it because we take it out every month. And we can write a check and sow into a revival that's going to bring tens of thousands of people into the kingdom because of your giving. National missions, America, we sow in. We help plant over 10 churches a month in America. Local missions, Pensacola, we sow into Israel every month because we believe Genesis 12, 3. I'll bless those who bless her and I'll curse those who curse her. Immediately, we give out before we ever keep in because we believe in the pattern that God gave us through the Antioch church. Next is our purpose. Our purpose. What's our purpose as a church? The Jerusalem church was a murmuring church. Anybody know any murmuring people? You know what murmuring is? Murmuring is grumbling under the breath, griping to oneself all the time. Always something wrong with somebody else. Never me. And the Jerusalem church was a murmuring church. In Acts 6, it tells us that there were two different types of Jewish people in the Jerusalem church, the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews, and, and they got upset because some of their widows were missed in the food program. And so they call a whole church meeting over it and give a big gripe and yell and fuss about it. Granny got missed in the lunch program. And instead of somebody just fixing a bowl of soup for Granny, we got to call a church meeting over it. That's what was happening in the Jerusalem church. Their whole purpose was murmuring, but the Antioch church was a church of missions. As I said earlier in Acts 13, Barnabas and Saul are sent out as missionaries. 17 years after Acts 1-8, when God gave the great commission. And I want to tell you, we've got to come and realize today, we as a church must have a purpose bigger than ourselves. We as a church, and we do, must have a purpose far bigger than us. It's not just about us. Let me tell you, the most important people, the most important people of this city are not us. It's the ones that haven't heard yet. Because we've already made the decision. The most important seats in this building right now is not the one you and I sat in. It's the empty one beside you. Just somebody needs to be sitting in that hadn't heard the message yet. And they're coming. They're coming every week. And they're giving their hearts and lives to Jesus every Sunday here. And it's going to get more and more. Because how many knows the darker it gets out there, the more people are going to run in their desperation to the house of God again. And we've got purpose. You see, more important than my ministry, and I teach this to my staff regularly, more important than my preaching is the people I preach to. More important than my ministry is the people that I minister to. You're more important than what I do. Because what I do is because of you. And we got to realize today that ministry is not about the crowd. And if you notice anything about Jesus, he, he didn't like the crowds. He didn't deal with large numbers. He wasn't interested in how big is my church? How big is my ministry? Is everybody coming? He just wanted the small group. He wanted the 12. 
And Jesus never looked for the crowd. He never sought for the crowd. Because you see, we're either position hunters or purpose seekers. And position hunters are looking for the crowd. My ministry, come to my ministry. But purpose seekers are looking for that handful of people they can sow their life into and make an eternal difference. And that's what Jesus did. And when the crowd saw him, they came. He never looked for them. They looked for him. And look through the scripture. Every time the crowd grew and they became large, Jesus took about five steps back and got his crew together and said, now you go take care of them. This isn't about me. This is about my father's business. Jesus broke the bread, but the disciples distributed it. Are you with me? And today we've got to change our mindset of ministry because many of us grew up in church with the big event, big event, big event, big event, big ministry. And I'd rather have 550 of you come in here each Sunday as we do and know your life and watch God transform your life and watch you grow in God and know that you're growing in God than to have 5,000 and not know where you are. Because we'll get to the 5,000, but we're going to know where we're at in Christ when we get there. Because God is saying, I'm raising up a body with purpose. And that's why our small groups are so important. Rather than the big event, get in a small group and transform people's lives. And watch God change people's lives because we're not people without purpose. We're people of purpose. And if you don't know your purpose, come out and meet me here tonight at a quarter to six. And we're going to feed you good. And then we're going to help you find your purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next and last of all is our authority. Our authority. The Jerusalem church had traditional authority and it was built on pride. Pride, dictatorship. If you read and study the church of Jerusalem, they repeatedly referred to the 12 apostles. Over and over and over, the Jerusalem church bragged about, have, we've got the 12, we've got the 12, we've got the 12. We've got the 12 apostles. The Jerusalem church, we see the apostle Peter. Peter quoted from seven different sermons in the book of Acts. He wrote two books in the New Testament, First and Second Peter. He speaks countless times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yet never one time does Peter even mention the word church or the kingdom of God. It's constantly, we have the 12, we have the 12, we have the 12. And the authority over the the church of Jerusalem was, we have the 12. And I don't know about you, but I've been a part of some churches that had the 12 that thought they ran the whole church. And they ran it in the grounds, what they did. Because it was a pride thing. It was a control thing. It was an authority thing rather than a kingdom thing. But the Antioch church was a church that had the authority based on submission. They were submissive to God as the head of the church. They were submissive to one another in brotherly love. They were submissive to hear from each other. Here's what happened. The Jerusalem church refused to take the Great Commission seriously, and they refused to do it, so God raised up the Antioch church. All this is in Scripture, by the way. Just read Acts. And the Antioch church started growing, and the Jerusalem church got jealous. And they're like, they're outgrowing us, and they're a bunch of nobodies. What's going on here? They got folks from all different cultures and races, and they got poor people, and they got people with sex, and all kind of messed up stuff going on. They got, they got stuff with people on addiction. They got all that stuff going on in that church. And look at it, thriving. What's going on? And so they sent leaders from the Jerusalem church to go to the Antioch church and tell them what they're doing wrong. They, they, it's in the scripture. I just don't have time to read it all. They went down there and told them, look, you guys think you're Christians, but you're not because you haven't been circumcised yet. 
And according to our law, according to our rules, if you're not circumcised, you're not a real Christian. And instead of the Antioch church going, who in the world do you think you, you are coming down here? You didn't do it. Now you're going to come and tell us how? They submitted and go, look, we're new at this. Show us what we're doing wrong and we'll make it right. And the Jerusalem church went back and got their guys together and they came back down to the Antioch church and they said, okay, here's four things you need to do to do it right. And circumcision wasn't even one of them. They just wanted to pick a fight. They just wanted to pick an element and they could make an argument because they were based on pride, but the Antioch church was based on submission. And can I tell you, Transformation Church, from the senior pastor to the executive pastor to everybody in this church, we're going to base this on submission. I submit myself to you as a pastor. We submit ourselves one to another that no matter who you are, where we are in life, I may be preaching to you today, but I may be the one needing you to help me get up tomorrow. Because none of us are exempt from a hurt, a pain, a struggle, or even a fall. But we submit one to another as a body. People, believers, red, yellow, black, or white. Even Republican and Democrat. Dear God in heaven, that's a miracle. And we laugh, but churches are splitting over that right now, by the way. Literally, churches are going two different directions. But I pray to God we're bigger than that. And we are. And everybody's got a right to your opinion, and we all have a right to our opinion for reasons. And we have our opinion for reasons, and everybody has their own, and you have a right to that. But we're going to fulfill the word of God that said, Father, just make them one. With their differences, with all the differences in their life, just bring them together and make them one in what? Purpose. Because I'm never going to think with the mind of my brother Jonathan. I'm never going to think. I'm not going to Jasmine, Carissa, Patrick. I, I'm, they're, they're a different color than me. They've, been, they've grown up in a different culture than me. They've faced issues that I've never faced. I'm not going to be able to really comprehend or grasp some of the reasons of their thinking. I, I, I can't do that. I can't question it because it's real to them. It's their real experience. But you know what I can do? I can appreciate their difference than me and say, help me understand. And let's become one because I'm going to try to help you understand why I think like I think because we both can learn from each other. And let's become one so that together we can point the world, not to us and our argument, but to Jesus and his great commission and command that whosoever will, let him come unto me and let him drink from this water. And when you drink of this water, Jesus said of himself, he said, you'll never thirst again. And that's the church that we are. We're a place that you can bring, you can come, you can be. And whatever's going on in your world today, just stay with me, they'll take care of the baby. Whatever's going on in your world today, I want to challenge you. Give Jesus a chance. You're in a safe place right now. That no matter what your struggle is, no matter what your battle is, there's nobody here pointing a finger at you because we can't. Because we've been just as guilty or wrong or hurting or broken. And so I want you to just bow your heads with me, if you will. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I just really need to make a decision in my life. I really need to make a choice today. And I realize today that, that I'm in a safe place. God's not here to beat me up. He's not here to judge me. He's not here to condemn me. 
But I'm in a church of people that's come from all walks of life and we've all met one redeemer and his name's Jesus. And he's changed us and he's still changing us. And I feel safe today that I can be honest with you, Father, and say, I just, I need a change. I'm not a bad person. I'm just not in a good place spiritually right now. And I need a change. I know I need a change in my life. Father, I just want to give my life to you today. If that's you, why every head's bowed, no one's looking around. I'm not going to point you out. I promise you. I just want to pray for you. I really want you to raise your hand so God will know that you meant it. Would you just slip a hand? Hands already going up all over this building. Father, I just, I'm ready for a change in my life. I need that change today. Help me, Jesus. Just bring change in my life. Help me. Anyone else would join these today and say, that's me, that's me. I'm ready. I'm ready for that change in my life. Pray for me. Maybe online, you're ready to make that decision. Jesus loves you today. If you raised your hand or you did not, would you pray this prayer with me? And we're all going to pray it out loud with you so you don't feel alone. But just pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess, believe, and receive. Right now, I come to you as I am. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's give God a hand clap.